I, I really enjoyed myself. The first series, we talked about Jacob stepping into the ring and wrestle God himself. And really, it was until Jacob is willing to take on God one-on-one -on -one that he finally found his identity. Though he was the second born, though he was not favoured by Isaac, though he was uh, uh, in many ways on a disadvantage, but when he put his trust in the Lord, even though when he was injured, he trusted God, everything came together when he's willing to wrestle God. And then we go on to talk about first strike, how Kaysen talked about, um, uh, Jonathan, that your identity actually is very much reflected by how much you know God. That was a great word. And then we have uh, a jealous God, a jealous God where, where God, uh, Pastor preached. By the way, Pastor is in Pune, uh, zealous church, is celebrating their first anniversary later on. And uh, they, they are already growing so fast. Average attendance is already 80, 85. They're only one year old. So continue to pray for the team as well. So Pastor preached about, you know, the glory of God, that God is so pure. God is so holy. God is, he, he is the full manifestation of love. And that was best expressed in marriage, that God is a protective God. Amen that he cannot tolerate that we have an affair, that we trust someone else. So God is a jealous God. And then we have Pastor George. I'm too used to calling him Paji, you know. Pastor George preached about Jonah. How many of you enjoyed that? And, and to me, the highlight of the sermon is that worm. Do you know why? In, in, in Jonah chapter 4, while Jonah was seated at a high place looking at the city of Nineveh, God actually provided a shade, a plant. You still remember? If you read Jonah chapter 4, I had never seen that worm. So that day, a worm, a, a, a plant covered Jonah. Then after that, in the morning at dawn, the worm actually ate up the plant. In my mind, how difficult it is to kill a worm. How hard to just put it into your mouth and just chew it. Are you all with me? I know you don't do that. But how difficult it is. The Bible says a worm. You know, sometimes one driver can spoil our whole day. Sometimes one rude waitress or waiter can spoil our whole meal, our anniversary meal. Sometimes one little thing in life, one simple comment, one simple comment on your Instagram can cause you to want to die. That was Jonah. One worm and he said, God, just let me die. Just take away my life. And I... I remember Solomon said, catch the little foxes in life for the little foxes spoil the vine. How many of you know there's worms in your life sometimes? Yes, small little ones. Sometimes pick it up and just eat it. You know, pick it up. Oh, just throw it away. Just pick it up. Just pick it up instead of complaining and grumble. And God said, you, you are upset that I took away a plant. There's 120,000 down there that's perishing. The equation, like how can a simple car without putting on a signal light spoil your entire day of closing a deal, of loving your family, of making sure that your kids behind still know that you are a Christian? You get what I mean? Yes? So don't let this little worm destroy your life. And then we went on to surround sound. Sound, sound, sound. Ah, that, you know what? You know our responsibility is to trust God's ability. The battle belongs to the Lord. Can I have an amen? That sometimes all you need to do is to stand firm and know that even by blowing a trumpet, God can fight on behalf of you. Collective, can I have an amen? So in round six today, I'm going to talk to you about knockdown. And Pastor Noah, that day, uh, yesterday while I was in a, a full moon party, I sat beside him. He said, 
Keith, when I first saw your message, before I read the text, by the way, Chinese service, Indonesian fellowship, Bangsa, Saturday service, they are all preaching about the same sermon on Fight Club. So he said, when I thought, I, when I looked at the message and saw that it's knocked down, he thought, I'm going to teach you all how to knock some people down. The answer is no. I'm going to teach you how to get up when you got knocked down. Is that okay? How to handle defeats in life. Talking about defeats, how many of you have defeats in your life before? When I was 14 years old, you know, I joined this club called PBSM. Although some of you don't know what's PBSM, Persatuan Bulan Sabit Merah, or it's called the Red Crescent. I practice every day after school, every single day, I'm morning class, 2 o'clock all the way to 6 o'clock under the hot sun because I joined a competition called the Kawat Kaki. Man, we practiced so hard every single day. And I got so tan, I was so scrawny. And then every day is senang diri, baris sedia, senang diri, baris sedia. You know, and, 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 and I practiced so hard. When we went to the competition, when we finally reached the school, we looked at how people march. All of my friends and us, they said, let's go home. <laughs> they are so good. They are like on Bluetooth, you know. They are like on infrared. They are so aligned. And our standard, sometimes you go to a competition, you look at the way people play, you just realize that, okay, la, we, 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 maybe it's a wrong category already. Lo and behold, after the whole year of practice, when entering into the competition, I got first from behind. <laughs> Defeat. We got last. And then I remember uh, when I was in high school, you know, I, I, I came from Malay school, so I did not take Paralehan or Remove. I went straight away to Form 1. And then in your class, all the girls are all one year older than you. You know what I'm talking about. And then I like all those girls that are one year older than me. They always have two criteria that they fall in love with the men. They don't want men younger than them. They don't want men shorter than them. You know what I'm talking about. <sighs> I taught, you know, real heart, sincerity, like Pastor Andrew will touch a girl's heart, you know. So I went after a girl for a whole year to realize her response is that you're such a good brother to me. Like, but defeats that you never really get the girl of your dream that you like, that you pour out all your effort. You save up your money to buy that little gift, that crystal ball or the snow globe, the ballerina that turned in the music box to realize that someone else is holding it like, ah, oh, defeats. The worst defeat was when I was 17 during my Pachuban in SPM. When I got my result, you know what? I got aggregate nine. To get aggregate nine to add up, I know for Esther it's six or six, like at least six or seven. Andrew is like six. Andrew got 10 A's, by the way, for SPM. That's, that's nine, nine, sorry, nine. And, and you know what? I, I got aggregate nine. I thought my Bahasa for the first time, I got A2. What a testimony to share about the glory of God. Come SPM and the result came up, my BM got P7. I did not get a credit. My dream of going into UTM dashed. I thought I'm going to make it for UTM, you know, skip STPM, straight away go into UTM. It was destroyed right in front of me. Defeats. Being a Liverpool fan, defeat is part of my life. It's in my blood. You know, 
There's the blood of Jesus Christ and the blood that I bleed for Liverpool, you know. For 28 years, since 12 years old, I supported Liverpool. They have never win. And everyone will call me Liverpool, you know, Liverpool. You never win anything. Y-W-N-A. So defeat has been so much part of our lives. You agree with me? And as I talk about all these experiences, I guess some of you would remember some of your defeats as well. But sometimes when we come to church, I don't want us to just learn how to be successful. I want us to learn how to deal with defeats as well. We're going to learn from this character called David. Acts chapter 13, verse 22, it says, And he, when he had removed him, Saul, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. I want to tell you, what's a man's all? A man's all is one day you will see God and God will say, you good and faithful. What is the greatest commandment that Jesus has gave? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with all your strength. To love God is like our ultimate goal in life. Am I right? So, so this man did not just try to do that. God gave a testimony and said, he has lived right. He is a man after my heart. Even Solomon said that the conclusion of life is that one should fear God. That David did not just try, he actually graduated and God was the one personally that chopped, approved and said, this is the way to live. He is a man after my heart. So to talk about achievement and successful, a success, David has made it in the eyes of God. Are you all with me? David has made it in the eyes of God. But was this man really that perfect, that righteous? Was this man so successful? The answer is no. David encountered a lot of defeats in his life as well. Maybe more than maybe many of us. So what we want to look, we want to look at how David did, dealt with failures in life. Who doesn't love a win? All of us want to win, am I right? All of us want to be in a winning team. You know, whether it is in your workplace, it is on the field, it is in the things that you do, it is in our games, we all want to win. But the potential thrill of, from being victorious comes with the possibility of meeting victory's nemesis, that's defeat. Over the year of ministry, I realized many people that I met in my life, some of them, whenever they encounter some, some setbacks, they have language such as, I know this is one more step closer to my goal. Whenever they have a, fail, a, 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 a deal that did not go through, they will say like, I, I feel, Keith, I'm closer to what I really want. Sometimes when they realize after a year of putting their effort into something, they come and tell me, at least now I know what I don't like. They always have this ability to make the most out of their defeats. But yet some, because of a worm, they want to kill themselves. Yet some, because of just somebody unfollow them, they feel like ending their lives. So, so, so it's like many people experience breakup. But some people got better after breakup. But some people just want to give up in life. You have heard statements like that before. No man can be trusted. All men want is my body. You, you, like, what happened? What have you experienced in the past? Or you hear men say, all oh, the women just want my money. 
all they want is my money. What, what has happened? Many people experience bad relationship, but why would some people come to such, such conclusion? I don't serve God anymore. All leaders, they just want to make use of me. All church is just using us. You, you know what I'm talking about? Like all the church wants is my money. All the church wants is this and that. What happened during those defeats that make them conclude certain things in life, that close so many doors in their lives? I have come to conclude that it is the condition of our heart. It is the condition of our heart that determines when we fall down, how do we respond? Collective, are you all with me? It is the condition of a person's heart that when we fall, do we get back up stronger or actually we choose to give up? We choose to just live in comfort. We choose to just not be hurt anymore. Don't try anymore. Don't try, then don't fail. Don't fail, then don't get disappointed. A lot of people say, I'd rather just stay in this job because I know the stress that is coming. I know the problem that is coming. I'd rather just stay like that. But do you think God has designed you to just stay like that? The answer is no. God wants all of us to progress. Can I have an amen? Which all of us already know. But what made David really strong is this. Listen to me. That sometimes, say sometimes. Come on, talk together with me. Say sometimes. Sometimes the only person that can encourage you is yourself. You agree? Our ability to encourage ourselves determine how we progress in life. I have come to a place Many times in my life, I realize if I don't encourage myself, if I don't learn how to strengthen myself, I would have given up. Because human, they cannot be there for you like God 24 hours. You must learn to strengthen yourself. It is what David has learned that turned his darkest moment into his greatest victory. I'm going to talk to you about David in two primary aspects before he was enthroned, before he was anointed as king. First, we know that David was a shepherd boy. Being a shepherd, you are out in the field. And the day that Samuel, Samuel is the last judge in uh, the Bible, okay? When Samuel stepped into Jesse's house to anoint, anoint the next king of Israel, he asked Jesse to show all his son. Do you know what? David was a forgotten son. David was not even remembered. All the brothers are up there fighting the enemies. They are the brave boys. They are the tough men. They are at the military camp. But there is one boy out there in the field. He was not even remembered by his father. But from that day, he was called back into uh, Jesse's house, his own house, to him becoming a king. He was a shepherd boy. What does a shepherd boy do? He, take, he takes care of sheep. Do you know sheep? They don't really know how to appreciate you. Do you know sheep? They don't really have intelligent conversation with you. Taking care of sheep while nobody is seeing, it's like us building our devotional life. Not a lot of people can see, but your attitude towards these things determine the character of your life. So David was out there forgotten, yet the Bible said he in order to protect his sheep, he killed a lion and a bear. You might ask sometimes, worth it or not? Am I right or not? Is it worth it to risk your life to protect some ungrateful sheep that at most will only say, bear, bear? You get what I mean? 
So sometimes the things that you do, you realize, do for what? They're also not grateful. You see, David did it because his desire was always to please God. Even when the task was menial, even when the task was not seen by people out there in the field, he did it because he has a heart after God's own heart. He said, take care of sheep, take care of sheep. Lah. I can still write songs. I can still worship God. I can still draw close to God. The best is that, you know, this is like my solitude. This is my best time of experiencing God. God is so good to me. Not only that, when he's willing to go after the lion and the bear, it shows that he is real shepherd. He protects those that could not protect themselves. If you want to choose a king, you would choose someone that will fight for the citizen and not someone that will just suck from the citizen. You know what I'm talking about? That you, you want a king that knows how to protect his ship. So David has no social media. He has no live video and say, you see, the ship is getting fatter. This is my favorite ship, bah, bah, black ship, you know. No, he, he, he did not have coverage. He did not have the fellowship of the shepherds. He was all alone, but he was faithful. Many people will say, Keith, after I serve God so much, does people see or not? You know, these are questions that I have to answer sometimes. Is it worth it? Do people see it or not? I give so much, Jean, I give so much. Do people see how much I give? They only see my blessing. Do people see how many people I meet? Do people see how much I pray? You see, you must do it unto the Lord. Can I have an amen? Collective, we are about Christ. We are about Christ. We cannot put too much terms and condition in pursuing God. David's path to promotion, it did not take very, it, it wasn't a short time. It took him about 15 years before he was promoted to be a king. Saul, on the other hand, had no such challenges. So, so Saul was David's predecessor. Saul, the Bible says, there is no one taller than Saul in the whole Israel. So it is very easy to look up to him. He is the tallest. The Bible did not just say he is tall. The Bible said there is no one more handsome than Saul. So he is the tallest. He is the most good looking. Who do you want to be your king? Him lah. Correct or not? If we want an image, we want a mascot for Israel, we want Saul. Because he is handsome, he is tall, he is probably just like Chris Hemsworth. He probably has muscle. I, I want him to be my king. So Saul, on the other hand, did not have to wait. Saul, on the other hand, did not have to go through tests. He was immediately elected, selected as king of Israel. So I want to show you the foundation of your success. To Saul, when he succeeded, he succeeded, he thought it's because people like him. The reason I am king is because people like me. The reason I'm a leader is because people like me. If people don't like me, that's it. I'm on a downhill. On the other hand, David said, if I were to do anything, it's because of God. If I were to be promoted, it's because of God. If I were to, be defeat, uh, if I were to defeat Goliath, it's because of God. You come against me with anything, but I come against you in the name of my Lord. And he killed Goliath. Every attempt of his life, his foundation is found in God. Are you all with me? So because Saul was Mr. Popular, he was Mr. Israel, he was the man Han for that year, he went all the way to be, to, to be the king. So 
you see in the decisions that he made in 1 Samuel, it's often to please people. When Samuel was led to offer up a sacrifice, Saul would offer the sacrifice on behalf of the priest because the people are getting impatient. What happens when people get impatient? People don't like me anymore. I better do the job that they want me to do. When he went to a war and he won, God specific, specifically instructed him to kill everybody, leave nothing behind, kill even the animals, but he kept some. He spared the king. You see, what he did was half obedience. God, I went to the battle. No, I still risk my life. I surely deserve something, right? Half obedience, guys, is a full disobedience because he did not trust God. So you see, his life was not tested. He often made decisions to please his people. Many times in Saul's life, whenever he was under pressure, he was under tremendous pressure, he would choose to just please them. But David, on the other hand, when he was under tremendous pressure, it pressed him closer and closer to God. This was the difference between the two of them. I want to tell you this. Christianity is not about winning pu public battles. Christianity is not about winning public battles. And this is one thing that Christ has not said to win. Christianity is about winning the private battles of life. Can I have an amen? Collective, we are not about just winning public battles. If we want to win, we need to win the private battles of our intimacy with God, of our devotion to God, of our spirituality. Can I have an amen? You know, if this church wants to be known to be after God's own heart, we need to win the private battles of our lives. When nobody is looking at us, when things are not going our way, when the result was not exactly what you want, we need to still win those battles because these battles defines us. Can I have an amen? Many, you know, are able to display a strong front, yet internally, every day, they are losing. I know that feeling, trying to be strong in front, but inside, I'm losing all the time. All the time. We don't want just to win public battles. In fact, Public battles that won requires character to support it. If you don't have that character, your success will eventually destroy you. So Saul's heart was not tested. Every great man needs to go through a heart test. Say a heart test. You know, when, when, when as much as, much as uh, Gene is into competitive fitness, yeah, we see his muscles and all, but actually your heart it's very important for you to last, to endure, to still pump, you know, the blood to your whole body. It is your heart that can take it or not. If all of us wants to do great things for God, we need to go through the heart test. Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, these four men had a covenant relationship with God. Noah waited 480 years before the flood came. Abraham waited almost till 100 before his first son came. Moses waited 40 years in the desert, forgotten from, from the palace as a prince to the desert. Before God came through, David waited very long time before he was enthroned. But I want to tell you this, David lived a very frustrating life. The scriptural account of David's life before he was promoted as king is one that is very frustrating. I want to show you in 2 Samuel chapter 7, 
verse 15 to verse 16, it says, My love, God says, My love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. This is what God promised David. No wonder Jesus is known to be the son of David. But for all these things to happen, now let us look at the background of this whole sermon. We all know the famous story of David versus who? David versus? David versus Goliath is like a story of Lester winning the EPL. Underdogs, everyone was rallying around them. Nobody would see that they could do it. So David, as a small shepherd boy, killed a giant with just a stone and a sling. Immediately, he was so famous. And you see, because Saul was king and his, his success is built upon popularity, so he associated himself to popular people. Immediately, he invited David to his throne room, to his dinner table, and sit on that table was David's best friend, Jonathan. Sit beside him was Michal, uh, Saul's daughter, and then the king in front of him. From a shepherd boy, immediately he rose all the way to the top to the most important table of the whole nation, seated with the king, the prince, and the princess as his wife. If you are David, you would think, God, you're really very real, eh? Very real, eh, God? One day, just randomly, Samuel come into my house, pray for me. Wow, so short time, I'm already seated in front of Saul, eh? God, awesome, are you? God, answer prayer. Not only that, the son also liked me a lot. The son also don't mind one day I be king because Jonathan really said that. I see the anointing of God in your life and I would fight with you. Not bad, eh? My competitor, my, my, my best friend, Jonathan also felt I should be king. Not only that, my wife also is a princess. Eh? Everything seems well. But when he became more and more famous, a song came out from the people. You know when you are a hero, there's always song for you. Like in Liverpool, there's always Mo Salah, Mo Salah. You, I, I, I don't know. So there are, when, when you are a real hero, people sing your name. And this is what they sang. They sang that Saul killed a thousand, but David killed ten thousand. Every, everywhere Saul went, the maidservant was singing this song. His own son was singing this song. His whole Spotify playlist was this song. David killed ten thousand. Yeah, I know, I know. After a while, he felt his whole position and popularity got threatened. That was when Saul began to act differently. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 11, And Saul cast the spear, for he said, I will pin David to the wall. David. But David escaped his presence twice. You know, Saul was David's first knockdown. Saul was David's first knockdown. Supposingly, Saul was to, was, was to groom David to be the next king. But instead of that, he wanted David to die. Because why? David became more popular. I wonder in our lives, have we thought that maybe our parents should be a better Saul? Maybe our teacher should be a better Saul? Maybe our leader, our pastors, maybe the people above us should have believed in us more. But instead, you felt like you are David. 
that your leader wanted to kill you, that your leader doesn't believe in you, that your leader is the one that putting the cap on you, that people told me I was all right, but when I performed, my manager felt I'm a threat, and then my manager began to press me down. When I performed more, my regional manager began to press me down. There seems to be a cap over my life. My friend began, my, 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 my friend began to press me down. But it's interesting how we read the Bible. Every time we read the Bible, we think that we are David. Am I right or not? Why you have never thought that maybe you are Saul? Why have you never thought that you are Saul to someone? Why have I never thought that I'm a Saul to my children? That I don't believe that they can do it. That maybe your little brother at home, your little sister, maybe you have been a Saul to other people. Let us reflect. All these characters in the Bible is to show who we are at different seasons of our lives. And for sure, I have been a Saul before. Are you all with me? That Saul was the first knockdown when your leader, when someone above you, do not believe that you can make it. But then how did he handle it? He was given chance to kill Saul, but he said, I will not touch the anointed one. I will not touch him because I know God chose him. So he ran. He ran away to a village called Kayla. Say Kayla. So Kayla was a village far away from the palace. David being a problem solver and a leader began to protect Kayla from his enemy. So Kayla was initially attacked by the enemies, but David again and again with his military wit began to deliver them and protected them. And so when he got famous again, you see every time he is about to rise, Saul heard about him. He said, wow, this guy is very, very hard to handle. So Saul sent his army to Kayla to want to pursue David, to want to kill David. David's response was that when he heard that Saul is coming after him, he immediately went and inquired the Lord and said, God, I have protected Kayla all this while. Will they protect me? I have protected Kayla. Will Kayla protect me? The Lord said, no. They are going to surrender you to Saul and they are going to allow Saul to kill you. So I talk about Saul, the first knockdown. The second knockdown was Kayla. The people you protect did not protect you. The people that you fought for did not fight for you. It was another knockdown. David has to run and leave Kayla. And then this time around, from the field to the palace to a village, this time around, he ran to a cave. You know the, you know the feeling of a cave? It's what? Dark. It is hidden. No Wi-Fi. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no line. The cave. Like, nobody would want to go anymore. He still did not retaliate, though he would have the ability to. He ran to Adalem. And then the interesting thing is that, let's, let's look at this. First Samuel 22. Are you guys still all right? I, I'm going to come to a close, okay? This is the third knockdown. First um, Samuel chapter 22, verse 1 to verse 2, it says, David therefore departed from there, Kayla, okay, and escaped to the cave of Adalem. So, when his brothers and his father's house uh, heard, heard it, they went down there. You see, there's a word down there. They went down there to him. And everyone who was 
in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was discontented gathered around him. Sometimes it is interesting, the season that you are in attract the type of people around you. <laughs> when he was in cave, he attracted who? Everyone that is distressed. Everyone that is in debt. And everyone that is discontented. Everyone that is complaining. How, how miserable, right? You're already very miserable and all the miserable people, miserable people gather around you. Yeah, 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 bad, right? Life is bad, yeah, bad. Mm. When I say, uh, let's try, when I say life is bad, all of, all of you say amen, right? Oh, life is bad. You see, the way you say amen also say amen. Yeah. Life is tough, right? You should be somewhere in holiday, right? Yeah. All of you are smiling, yeah. But you see, he attracted these people, but, say but, the Bible says he became a captain over them. And there were about 400 of them. He did not succumb to their level. He became a leader. You see, if he can be a leader to some ungrateful sheep, he could be a leader to these rejects of the society as well. And he did pretty well, guys. All these people that are in distress, in debt, he turned them into what we call David's mighty men. Legend has it. Among the David's mighty men, there's these five guardians that's uh, really famous. One of them is Abishai. He turned all these, all these societies, right? Abishai, the one there. Okay, this is just for illustration, isn't it? Okay. Abishai killed 300 people with one spear. Benaiah struck down two Moab's fiercest men, killed a lion and a mighty Egyptian that is seven feet tall. Then there is, there is Joseph, Shama, Eliezer. There's too many to list them down, but they won battles. They killed many giants, much more than David himself. From the rejects, David raised them up to be heroes of faith. So these are the people that fought along him at the lowest point of his life. They became so successful, they became freelance soldiers. If you are going for a war, you can actually call this number. David can actually supply you military force to fight against your enemy. And every time David joined force and fight together with you, usually they win the battle. So there was one battle that the king of Philistine, Philistine or Philistine, Pastor Andrew? You use which one? You use both. Uh? You confuse me, teacher. Philistine. Yeah, he's my, he's, all my sermon got to send to him first, uh, just by the way. So I, I got more confidence that uh, Pastor Andrew read through. But, but the Philistine thought for a while, okay, if we have David going against Saul, Israel, what if suddenly his heart softened and he turned against us? That will be disadvantage for us. I think this battle, we exclude him. The prince of the Philistine disagreed that they should use David and they sent David home on his way back from the battle that he was supposed to fight. He went back to this place called Ziklag. Ziklag was where David is residing now. He found Ziklag totally burned down. Ziklag was David's third defeat. The people that he 
raised to be mighty men. What happened was that when their wives, let me read to you, the wives and all the possessions were stolen. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 3 to verse 5. So David and his men came to the city. There it was, burned with fire. Their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelites, Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Camelite, had been taken captive. Guys, stay with me and listen. When he was a shepherd boy, he got nothing much. When he was in a palace, everything was just a blessing. When he was in Kela, it was all right, friends, you know, people that I serve. But at this point of time, it was his own children and wives. Remember the father and the brothers came to him at the cave? That means the people that was taken away could be his nephews and nieces, could be his sister-in-laws or brother-in-laws. The closest ones are being taken away from him in Ziklag. This is the greatest knockdown of his life. Everything, everything, everything that is precious to him was taken away. Everything, everything that was precious to David was taken away. Yet, you look at this um, simple chart. Look at the journey of this man. That from a field to a military camp, defeating Goliath to a palace, he went down to Kela, to the cave, to Ziklag, eventually to nothing. Nothing. Now, even the rejects of the society are rejecting him. Why? Because in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, and this is the key verse this morning. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his own sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. When the very people that nobody believed in, that you believed and trained them up, they talk about stoning you. I think that's really tough. And who are they? Who are they? They are like someone, like Joshua, that can kill 300 men with one spear. Who are they? They are people that kill more giants and lions than you now. Who were they? They were nobody. They were the discontented. They were the rejects. They were the people in depths. They were the people that nobody believed in. But when you raise them up to be David's mighty men, to become who people would celebrate, they want to kill you as well. Isn't it a tough life? But the Bible has a great but there. David did not say, You know, he did not say that. He did not say, he did not say, do you remember your roots or not? Do you remember who you were? He did not say that. He did not say a word and he went and strengthened himself in the Lord. In our defeats, what's our response? Are we complaining? Are we murmuring? Are we giving up? Are we running away? He has the right to scold every one of them. 
as he strengthened himself in the Lord, the Lord spoke to him in the Bible and said, Go, pursue them. You will get back everything. David took the 600 men, went after the Amalekites. But halfway, 200 of them got too tired, too distressful, too sad. I cannot go to that war with you. I cannot trust you anymore. I cannot trust your leadership. I'm tired. I just want to stay here. Halfway, they gave up on David. With 400 left, he pursued the Amalekites. He took back everything that belongs to them and won that battle. Let's give God a big hand. Come on. Do you know the most beautiful thing is not that they restored what they have lost. The beautiful thing is that when the 400 say, those that did not join us should only get back their wives and their children and no possession. But David say no. Every man get back all that they have lost. What a king. And this reminds me of the parable that Jesus spoke about, about the worker that went to the vineyard. Vineyard. The sun went six o'clock. Some went twelve o'clock. Some went three o'clock. Some even reached at five o'clock, six o'clock, pangkang. Five o'clock only they come in. But the boss, Jesus, decided to give everyone the same wage. That's the heart of God. Because God loves everybody. And that is the heart of David. He said, No, everyone take back what they have lost. Even though if they did not fight with us, they can take it back. If I want to choose a king, I would choose a king that knows how to handle defeats and not just a king that knows how to celebrate victory. If God were to use you today, God will not just use you because you have won many games. God will use you because you have stayed faithful. You have stayed steadfast when you lose games. Are you all with me? That God... God is not about that victory. That victory is nothing to Him. God is about your character. Are you reflecting Christ when things are tough for you? Church, are you all with me? That you know what? Collective, sometimes we win games. You know, there was once upon a time that you know, we, we really have growth like, like nothing else. Like this building, I think it's a great victory. That though we were still students, though we were still young, we secured a building like that. It's a dream come true. But sometimes, sometimes we don't win as much as we used to. Sometimes we experience defeats. But this defeat should not push us away. This defeat should push us closer to God. And in your life, it is the same. In your marriage, it is the same. As long as you stay in that marriage, there is a chance for God to turn things around. But we must learn from David. David strengthened himself in the Lord. Collective, our best strategy is to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Can I have an amen? Cell leaders in this place, what your cell group need is that you would take up the courage and say, let's strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Ministry leaders, staff, every one of you that is in a difficult situation, Take up this burden and say, I need to strengthen myself in the Lord. I will not complain about my souls. I will not complain about my Kayla. I will not complain about my Ziglag. I will just push in and strengthen myself in the Lord. Amen? And God is faithful. And God is able. 
God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he not spoken and delivered? God is able. Say, God is able. But are we willing? How do we handle knockdowns? And to be honest with you, I feel sometimes I've been knocked down. Not sometimes, many times. I felt, I felt lousy. I felt like whatever that I'm doing is not working out. What should I do, God? What should I do? And more and more ideas, more and more strategies. But perhaps, perhaps the most important thing is to learn from this man called David that when it is not his last resort, every time he was defeated, when he was caught in the adultery, when he was caught doing the wrong things, the first thing, the first thing in his life, he went to seek the Lord. When Nathan confronted him, he was not like Saul. You know, Saul was upset with Samuel. When Nathan confronted David, David repented. Because why? He is always, his foundation is found. God, if I was a shepherd that nobody see, that today that I'm here, it must be you. You are my foundation. It's not like Saul. Saul's foundation is people liking you. Today, I want you to have courage. Encourage yourself by plucking yourself into the presence of God. Amen.